What is up, you wonderful, beautiful, fantastic people of the world? This is Ashley Campbell with Daily Encouragement. By the time you guys hear this episode, check this out. This is going to be March 29th, 2023. Uh, This is the second episode in a series I do every year on the podcast called Revelation Revamp, where I share with you guys the biggest revelations I had year prior. And today I'm going to be sharing uh, you guys with you guys, you know, something that stuck out to me in February of 2022 that really kind of helped me understand some things that I was struggling with. And the whole idea, you guys, today, I'm going to try to unpack this for you the best way I can. I couldn't think of any other title, but it's basically getting what you don't want. Have you ever experienced that? How do we do that? Okay. And so really quick, you guys bear with me. I got to share these scriptures with you guys in Jeremiah. I got to give you the context so you can really understand the life application I'm about, I'm about to share with you guys coming from my own life. Okay. So check this out. Jeremiah. 42. Well, let's start. In, I, I actually started reading a couple chapters before that and after that this morning so I could really understand what was going on here. So Judah, you know, the land of Israel at the time was taken over by um, Babylon, right? King, I think it was King Nebuchadnezzar at the time. And so um, there was this remnant, though, that was still in the land. And there was this guy that, um, let's see here, that King Nebuchadnezzar had made a governor of of the land okay and i believe he was from israel right so there was this guy that comes to the governor who's just been elected and he goes hey this this so-and-so wants to kill you okay and why don't you just go ahead and go let me take care of him that way the remnant of israel is not destroyed and judah doesn't perish but this guy i can't pronounce his name okay but this guy who was elected governor he was like you shall not do this thing for you're, you're speaking falsely falsely about this guy his name was ishmael He was like no he ain't gonna do that so time goes on ishmael ends up murdering the governor at the time you know elected over israel right or i guess i I should say judah so he gets killed along with all these other you know the red mint get get murdered so this jonathan guy who offered to kill this guy who killed this governor goes to jeremiah the prophet and he goes dude will you please ask the lord what we should do and uh he goes, please let our, so this is, this is what he says. He goes, please let our petition be acceptable to you and pray for us to the Lord, your God, for all this remnant, since we are left, but a few of many, as you can see, that the Lord, your God may show us the way in which we should walk and the thing we should do. Now, before that, before they went to the prophet, they were all ready on their way to Egypt. It says, as they departed and dwelt in the habitation of Chimham, which is near Bethlehem, as they went on their way to Egypt because of the Chandeleans, for they were afraid of them because Ishmael had murdered the governor guy I told you guys about. So now they're, okay, we're going to go to Egypt. But as we're on our way to Egypt, we're going to go talk, talk to Jeremiah and see what God wants us to do. They already know what they're going to do, but now they want to ask the prophet. So then Jeremiah goes, okay, indeed, I will pray to the Lord your God according to your words. And it shall be that whatever the Lord answers you, I will declare it to you. I will keep nothing back from you. I love that. A prophet is a person who will hold nothing back from you. Isn't that amazing? That's kind of one thing to put in your back pocket when you're dealing with people. Um, Prophets will not hold anything back. They will tell you some inconvenient truths at times that you have to hear. Okay, let's move on. So they said to Jeremiah, let the Lord be true and faithful witness between us. If we do not do according to everything which the Lord your God sends us by you, whatever, whatever, whether it is pleasing or displeasing, we will obey the voice of the Lord our God to whom we send you, that it may be well with us when we obey the voice of the Lord our God. 
So they know if they obey the voice of the Lord, their God, things are going to go well with them. Okay, check. And they're saying, well, even if we want to do it or don't want to do it, we'll do what the Lord wants us to do. Have you guys ever done that before? Have you ever, have you ever done that? Oh man. What about when God tests you on those words? That's a whole nother conversation. Been there, done that. And it happened after 10 days that the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. Okay. They had to wait. You guys ever have to wait for the Lord to, to reveal himself to you or give you a new perspective? Then he called, then he called, uh, John, what is it? John, John in that the guy who came to him, I can't pronounce his name. Okay. And all the captains of the forces were with him. All right. So Jeremiah says to the guy who asked him to intervene on his behalf, he goes, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, to whom you sent me to present your petition before him. If you will still remain in this land. Okay. Then I will build you and not pull you down. And I will plant you and not pluck you up. For I relent concerning the disaster that I have brought upon you. Do not be afraid of the king of Babylon, of whom you are afraid. Do not be afraid of him, says the Lord, for I am with you to save you and deliver you from his hand. And I will show you mercy, that he may have mercy on you and cause you to return to your own land. But if you say, we will not dwell in this land, disobeying the voice of the Lord your God, saying, no, but we will go to the land of Egypt where we shall see no war, nor hear the sound of the trumpet, nor be hungry for bread, and there we will dwell. Right? Why are they leaving this place wanting to go to Egypt? Because they do not want to deal with war, the sound of war, the trumpet, starvation, all those things. People were being murdered. It was not a pleasant time. So they're thinking, okay, if we go to Egypt, we're going to get rid of all our fears, right? Because they were afraid. So they're now they're being motivated by fear. And now they're going to go to Egypt because they think if they go there, that things are going to go well with them. However, God's like, uh-uh, don't go. I want you to stay right here. They didn't want to stay there. But here's the thing. Then hear the word of the Lord, O remnant of Judah, that says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel. If you wholly set your faces to enter Egypt and go dwell there, then it shall be that the sword which you feared shall overtake you there in the land of Egypt. The famine of which you were afraid shall follow close after you there in Egypt and there you shall die so shall it be with all the men who set their faces to go to Egypt to dwell there they shall die by the sword by famine and by pestilence and none of them shall remain or escape from the disaster that I will bring upon them so they think if we go here to Egypt we're going to save our butts but God's saying if you go there everything you're running from and afraid of is actually going to find you right in that place you're running to isn't that interesting how that happens? You think that, okay, if I do for, go from here to here, that you're going to have what you're looking for. But, and we're going to get into this, dealing with the underlying things. But let me continue, okay? We got to talk about this, you guys. So bear with me. So, the Lord has said concerning you, O remnant of Judah, do not go to Egypt. Know certainly that I have admonished you this day. For you were hypocrites in your hearts when you sent me to the Lord your God, saying, Pray for us to the Lord our God and according to all that the Lord your God says. So declare to us and we will do it. And I have this day declared it to you, but you have not obeyed the voice of the Lord your God or anything which he has sent you by me. Now therefore know certainly that you shall die by the sword, by famine, by pestilence in the place you desire to go dwell. Wow. Now you might be thinking, wait a minute, they hadn't even left yet. They hadn't made up their mind. Well, guess what? They already made up their mind ahead of time. They already knew what they wanted to do. Right? They were hoping that God was going to confirm to them the thing that they wanted to do. Sometimes that's why people seek the Lord. They want confirmation on their own plans 
instead of really allowing God to lead them, even when they don't understand why they have to do what they have to do. And here's the difference between going out in your plans and going out what God wants to do. Most of the time, your plans are motivated by fear, right? I got to do this because I'm not going to have that. So there's a fear that's driving you versus when God wants you to do something, he'll give you peace no matter what. Even though it's maybe it's not a path you want to take, but you're going to have the peace of the Lord. And I've got plenty of stories I could tell you guys, but that's not the time for that. Okay. So now God says, yep. Now the very thing that you're going for, check this out. So now the guy who just heard the prophet talk, this is what he says to him. And oh, by the way, do you want to know the word that was describing the men that went to Jeremiah to ask for help, right? Even though they knew already made up their mind, they were going to go to Egypt. They were proud men. Proud people are not, uh, they don't give space to question their perspective on anything. They know, right? They're not humble. Humble people question, they, humble people know their limits and they're willing to get the, the voids filled, you know, by God himself first. You have to be able to pray to the Lord first so you can discern what information to take and what to throw away, right? Sometimes you can think you know what to do, right? You might be humble enough to acknowledge your limitations. And so you try to get other information to fill that in, but you still don't always get the results. So it's really important that you primarily go to the Lord first and ask like, God, okay, I'm, I'm recognizing this lack in my life, you know, these limitations. I, I need you to help me discern, you know, give me some information, whatever it is, right? Keep that at the forefront first because your way of doing it still might not produce the results that you're looking for. People do it all the time, you guys. So anyway, so then check out this, what this guy says. He goes, you speak falsely. The Lord our God is, has not sent you to say, do not go to Egypt to dwell there. But then I can't, I can't pronounce the other name of this guy, but so-and-so, the son of so-and-so. <laughs> if you guys read uh, Jeremiah 41, 42, 43, you'll get all the names, okay? I'm just giving you it in a nutshell. All right. Uh, he sent you against us to deliver us into the hands of the Chaldeans. He's like, no, you know, you just, you, this, this person just wants us to die at the hands of these people, the Chaldeans. That's why they were running anyway, because they didn't want to, they were afraid of them. But now they're thinking, oh, well, no, so-and-so wants us dead. Isn't that funny how you can become so accustomed to uh, difficult situations that you might even think that God wants you to perish? Really? Isn't that interesting that we would think that? Don't you think that we need to take some time to question that perspective when God, he literally gave you his son? He says, will he not freely give you all things? Would you give up your children for somebody's life, right? I mean, it's amazing how we can become so accustomed to circumstance that we lose all hope and perspective that God would want to deliver us, right? And then sometimes we can put on this false, false pretense that we're going to go talk to godly people to uh, figure out what we need to do, but you've already made up your mind in your heart what you're going to do. Anyway, I digress. I got to keep moving on here, guys. Okay. So the guy ended up going to Egypt anyway. He takes all the, all the men that are with him. And I believe from what I understand here and Jeremiah, the prophet, he even took Jeremiah with him. Now I'm not sure exactly why Jeremiah went. Maybe this guy was going to take him by force more than likely. Right? So, and that's the cool thing about God's grace is he, Jeremiah knew that they weren't supposed to go there. Right? But sometimes people and circumstances will force you into a situation that you shouldn't be a part of, but God's still going to use you as knowing what's right to speak into that, even as they're going down to, to destruction. Because as, as it goes on, Jeremiah is talking to him the whole time, right before, you know, it says that they got to this one place. 
All right. Uh, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah concerning all the Jews who dwell in the land of Egypt, who dwell at Magal, at Taphanus. And uh, thus says the Lord of hosts, you have seen all the calamity that I brought on Jerusalem. Anyway, we're going to get to that. So check this out. So Jeremiah ends up having to go with him, probably by force. I'm actually going to read the whole book of Jeremiah at some point just to kind of get the whole context. But I was thinking about that, right? These guys were afraid. So they thought if we go here, we're going to get rid of our fears and our life will go well with us. But God was like, uh-uh, don't go there. Do it this way. And then I will actually cause you to be able to be in the place that you want to be. Isn't that amazing about God? That God actually cares enough about you to give you what you want, right? We were not created to live in fear. God doesn't want you living in fear, right? But sometimes we think that that's kind of a normal thing from God because we have this misunderstanding of, of fear and how God operates and what things have been taught in the church. And, you know, um, that, that provoked that provoke another conversation. I was talking to my husband this morning and I was talking about how um, I'm reading this book to my kids right now called The Witch at Blackbird Pond. And I believe the girl who comes into this community, she is, I think she comes to live with her uncle and her uncle's like Puritan, right? And she comes to befriend this lady who's a Quaker, right? So these are different relig religious groups that were, you know, came over here from England to have freedom. But it's amazing how even though they were Christian, some of the things they did were terrible the way they treated each other. And it made me realize how some people can get really turned off by Christianity at times. Because even though you may be a Christian, the way that you conduct yourself with other people shows that you really don't know who your father is. But because people don't really understand the whole dynamic between father and child, right? Sometimes we don't even, sometimes we're not aware of how our fathers have influenced us. Sometimes we just do things, you know, like, okay, maybe you were treated a certain way and you didn't like that. So now you're not going to be who, how, who your father was to you per se. The point is, is Jesus already said, you can only model what your father has shown you. Do you guys remember when the Jews or the Pharisees, they're like, nah, man, God is our father. And uh, I forget, God, the Lord said something about, well, if God was your father, then we would basically be coming to the same conclusions, but we're not, right? The Pharisees, the teachers of the law, did not think that Jesus was God in the flesh. And they were constantly, you know, the Pharisees were constantly, you know, poking at Jesus, like, you're not who you say you are. But uh, Jesus goes, your father is the devil. You think God is your father, but the way you're conducting yourself, you really show that your father is the enemy. And you know, by the way that they were behaving. So anyway, I just thought that was kind of interesting how sometimes because people don't know who their father is, they behave in ways that are not consistent with who he is. And then that's, that's a huge reason sometimes why Christians are not as effective as they could be. And you know, I think it's really important if you have a relationship with the Lord, I have a relationship with the Lord, that we take a step back and ask ourselves, are our actions, Lord, really rooted in the fact that we know you and the way that we truly know you? Are we just like doing what we think you would have us do or are we doing it underneath the knowledge and revelation that we have with Christ? Does that make sense, you guys? Anyway, that's kind of another side note. Um, well, I'll talk about that some other time with you guys. But anyway, the point, right? They want to go to Egypt because they were afraid. But God says, if you go there, then guess what's going to happen? Everything you're running from, that's going to come down on your heads. Okay, you're going to get the very thing you're running from. And so I just got to share some notes with you guys really, really quick because I was kind of applying this to my own life, okay? Um, I was afraid to give money because I wouldn't have any money. Have you guys ever done that in the church? You know how we're supposed to tithe? 
Have you guys never not tithed because you're like, man, if I tithe my money, I'm gonna be broke. Have you ever done that? Gosh, I've done it my whole life. Like even now, you know, it's, you guys, I only had this understanding about a year ago, right? And so I took this story and I was like, okay, Lord, how am I doing this, right? How, did, how can I use this information for me? So I was like, okay, let me, let me, let me uh, look here and see what I can share with you guys really quick to kind of make it like connecting, connecting the point, the dots here. All right. So I'll just start reading my notes. Do not be afraid to give money because you are afraid you won't have money. So I was afraid to give money because I was afraid it wasn't going to have any money. So number one, the Lord is with me. God gives us what we need to produce the outcome we want. You guys, I want to be financially free in my life. Do you guys know that God used to tell Israel, you guys will be the head, not the tail? Did you guys know that God doesn't want us to be in any kind of bondage, especially financially, right? Why do you think the Lord says uh, you, can, you cannot serve both God and money? Because if you're not serving God, you're not trusting that God's going to help you. Now, he's going to bring opportunities into your life so you can make money and do things. But sometimes the opportunities he brings for you to do that might not be what you want to do. And I, I have stories that I could share with you guys about, you know, just from my husband's experience with that. But um, if you guys think about it, I was thinking about that years ago. I'm like, Lord, why is that? What do you mean you can't serve both God and money? Like, who are you serving? If you are serving money, money comes through the hand of another individual who's giving you that check. And that person may ask you to sell your soul per se, your qualities as a person just to get money. Does that make sense? You might lose your own quality because you're looking for money. And, and the Lord doesn't want us to be like that. He wants you to be a person of character and integrity. He said, you know, I think it's in the book of John. Uh, he says, I pray that you'll prosper as your soul prospers. Your soul is your character and your values. So as you prosper in your character and your values, God will literally bring you to higher places, right? God will, God will give you increase. Now, a lot of people don't like talking about this kind of stuff, especially with money, because there seems to be this kind of bumper guard Christianity, I like to call it where people aren't really raw about what they have to say because they don't want to say the wrong thing, right? You, you're going to mislead people if you say that. You're going to think that, you know, people um, just want to serve God for money and all this BS, right? But it is what it is. If I'm not clear about what I want, right, I'm not going to communicate very clearly to you, okay? So I want to be in a place where I'm financially free and I'm not worrying about money, okay? But the way that God might have me do that is not the way that I think is comfortable, if that makes any sense. You know, the Lord wants us to be generous. Well, if I don't want to give because I'm afraid I'm not going to have it, I might not, I, I could tell you right now, I'm not going to have what I want in that way. Does that make sense, you guys? So anyway, let me finish reading these notes, you guys. I've only got about 12 minutes here. So it was their own fear driving them to go to Egypt. They feared the sword and death itself. They had their own plan to avoid all these things. So you guys ever tried to come up with your own plan to avoid the fears that you have in your life? Okay. So I'm afraid, of, I, I'm afraid of not having enough money to cover all my expenses. That fear is rooted in my experiences. They're under, they were, there were undesirable outcomes due to lack of money. That's a legit concern I had. You guys, if you grew up in any type of poverty like I did growing up, it's a legit concern. And God ain't mad at me for that. God understands. Matter of fact, the Holy Spirit is the one who revealed these things to me that gave me the understanding and insight that I can even sit here and share it with you guys. Right? So my thinking has been to use the money for what I want to invest in, right? So instead of like tithing my money, you know, because you guys, for a while, I wasn't involved in a church at all. We were doing home church. So, you know, 
Um, a lot, there was a time where I just used the money for what we needed and God was fine with that. God gave me total peace about it. Right. But then it's like, time goes on. And I was like, you know what, Lord, I had this desire to want to be able to, uh, invest it in other ministries or, you know, especially a ministry that was blessed in my life. You know, there's this guy that I watch on YouTube. His name is Eli Lasky. God, man, the Lord has given him so much insight. The guy has literally changed my life in so many ways. And so I started giving money to him because I valued what he was doing, you know? But then I started going back into that fear mode again. Like, Lord, how am I going to, you know, I got my own bills to take care of. Lord, I got my own things I need to do, you know, and going back into that. And, you know, that's the beauty about the Lord is once he gives you understanding as to why you behave the way you do, he'll give you the grace to go with it too. And you will slowly progress into the man or the woman that he wants you to become. It's just going to take some time. Sometimes the problem is you don't give yourself enough grace to go through the process. Sometimes you're so busy judging yourself by being aware of the things that you are that you never, you never give yourself the time to grow into the person. You guys think about people that wanted to be healed, right? You guys remember that guy who was like, it's in the Bible. I can't remember where it's at, but he was like paralyzed for 38 years or something like that. And the Lord asked him, Hey, I, you know, do you want to be healed? And he made these excuses. Well, finally he got up. Here's the thing though. He hasn't walked in 38 years. I mean, it's going to take him some time to adjust and not just walking per se. He could probably physically walk because the Lord healed him. However, there were certain mindsets that he had while he was sitting there for 38 years that he had to unlearn right? Maybe he was super dependent on other people bringing money and things to him. And now he has to figure out, well, how, how can I do those things that I haven't been able to do physically and literally that took some time, right? Our thinking is going to be the number one thing that we have to deal with through anything that we're trying to, uh, overcome, uh, grow into revelation, all of that. You know, if we have to be able to, um, unpack some of the habits of mind that we developed in certain states that we were in. Israel, right? They were in Egypt for God, 400 something years. Can you imagine the way that they saw their life and how they were conditioned by that experience for so long? And now they got to go into the wilderness. They go into the wilderness because from my perspective, from what I come to understand, God's trying to show them, Hey, um, you need to unlearn some of the thinking patterns that you developed over there, right? Like there's nobody here to get in your way. You are completely free, right? They were no longer underneath Pharaoh. Praise the Lord, right? That's awesome. But there were some other deeper things going on there that the Lord was trying to reveal to them. So when they got into the promised land, they could actually hold on to what God was giving to them. It was their own mind that kept them in the wilderness, right? So we have to be willing to unlearn certain, like I said, habits of mind that happen when you're in a, when you are in a certain period of your life for a long time. So even with that, but are you giving yourself the grace to do that? When you become aware of your own sort of, I guess you could say limitations, hindrances, um, you know, your unbelief, your lack of peace, any of those things in your relationship with the Lord, how do you deal with yourself with that? You know, do you condemn yourself and judge yourself? Did you know that if you do that to yourself, that's how you're going to treat other people. And that's exactly why Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. The only way you're going to powerfully and communicate these things to others is if you get it for yourself first, that's get it for yourself first. That's what's going to give you the wisdom and insight to apply the things that God wants you to apply in your life. If you don't, allow yourself to go through the process first. There's no way in hell you're going to be able to coach somebody beyond where you've always been, right? Would you guys listen to somebody who's never had the experience of the thing you're trying to do in your life? Would you go talk to somebody living on the street about making a, a billion dollar business in an empire? No, not necessarily. They don't have the experience, right? They got their own issues going on right there. And we all have our own issues. Do you guys get what I'm trying to say? You have to go through it first within yourself first if you want to be a person of influence. Right. If you want to influence the world with the grace of God, you got to figure out how God's grace has influenced you. 
If you can't do that, then what are you doing? Anyway, so let me continue here. Um, okay. God has shown me mercy and grace with every decision I've made. I just told you guys that he hasn't judged or condemned me for how I've made decisions. All right. I can just, I can, so I was thinking I can relate. I can relate to being afraid of them making a plan to escape my fear. So God is asking them to not be afraid on the basis that he is with them. He was going to bring them to their desired outcome back to their homeland. God wanted to give to them what they wanted. They wanted to be in their homeland and God was cool with that. Are you guys afraid to expose your, what you want to God? Seriously, you guys, I'm telling you, what do you want in your life? Do you want to be financially free? Do you want to be healed? Do you, what do you want? Do you guys know that Jesus asked that question because he wanted to do good for people, but they had to vocalize what they wanted. Do you know how vulnerable it is to come to the Lord and say, Lord, I want to be financially free. Lord, I want to be healed. Lord, I want to be restored. Lord, I want these good things. That's, that is very humbling. And we're going to talk about that in just a second. Some things that I was listening to this morning that I'm going to share with you guys that's going to kind of help uh, you understand this a little bit more. It was very revealing to me. And I think if you guys just, you know, hang on, if you guys listen to the end of this video, that uh, it's going to blow your guys' mind. Okay. So he was going to bring them into their desired outcome back to their homeland, but not the same way that they planned. You better get comfortable with that. Okay. If you really are going to follow the Lord, you have to lead, be led by your peace and not by how you think it should be. You have to let God lead the process. And I know that's really hard, you guys, because there's been times where, you know, when I had to go live out in the travel trailer, I didn't want to go live in the damn travel trailer, but that's what I had to do at the time because I wanted to be able to be with my children, right? My husband was starting a business and it wasn't providing for us, but I, my, I was more concerned about being the primary influence in my kids' life and being with them than me just, you know, paying somebody to watch them and getting a job and just being away from my kids and my family and my home. I was willing to make that sacrifice. I didn't want to, but I had peace about it. And I knew I had to do it. And I said, Lord, you got to prepare my heart. It took about three weeks, <laughs> but he did. And I had peace and I'm like, okay, Lord, this is the route I got to go. And, uh, you know, it's amazing how uh, one, the biggest lesson I took when I was out in the travel trailer for a year and a half was God is all about character development. He's, gonna, he's trying to build you from the inside out. He's trying to cultivate your character. Not, you know, and I, I think we take those lessons for granted, but I digress. So God wants you to be so secure in him. God doesn't want you to be living in fear. I live in fear when it comes to money, fear of not having enough. You guys, I've shared my story with you guys. But if I do what I believe the Lord wants me to do, expand my measures. This is stemming from a whole nother thing that happened last year, you guys. Generous and abundant. He will give back to me who I desire to be. Generous and abundant, right? Isn't that amazing? I just have to do it his way. You know, if I want generous and abundance towards me, I have to become that person. Lord, help me to be that way. Help me to do it your way, right? Not be driven by fear. So check this out. Our fears are legit, but God doesn't want them controlling our lives. Their motivation for, the, for their plan was to rid them of their own fear. I'm just going to go to Egypt because I'm afraid I'm going to die here in this country. But what does the Bible say? What truly rids fear? What truly rids fear? What rids fear, you guys? What's the Bible say? And if you don't know what it says, this is why you need to read it. Perfect love. Perfect love casts out fear. Okay? I think it's like in 1 John. Read the whole, read the whole. If you've never read that scripture, okay, I'm going to say this. Don't just read a scripture. Read the whole book. Read 1 John. Read the whole book of 1 John. Start reading things and getting full context. Because if you just read a little verse here and there, it's not going to feed you. You're not going to get the revelation knowledge. So don't just read little things here and there. If you see any scripture on the internet, read the whole chapter, please. Don't just read the scripture, read the whole chapter. Start disciplining yourself to get the full context. 
of what is being said so you can start getting your own insight understanding because God already told, I don't know how many times he said it in the Bible, that he was going to send his spirit and he was going to lead us. He was going to be our father. No one else would need to teach us because he's in us. But if you're not cultivating that dynamic, what are you going to do, right? You have to learn to discern God's thoughts in you by start, start reading his word, start asking him questions because the spirit's in you. God will give you thoughts, emotions, and will. He's going to give you his thoughts and emotions and will, but you got to go through the process. You guys, I might have to stop this podcast here in a minute because I want to finish this with you guys, okay? So our fears are legit. God, so perfect love casts out fear. So we can say all the right things like this guy did. You know, uh, whether it's pleasing or displeasing, we will obey the voice of the Lord our God to whom we will send, who, whom we will send you, that it may be well with us when we obey the voice of the Lord. Ooh, talk about condemnation being just. How do you sit there and say, I know that following God is going to, you know, following him, right? If we do what he says, even if we do, and we don't, we do what he, if we do what he says, even if it's what we don't want to do, he said, it'll go well with us. Even he even knew that he even knew that, but guess what? He didn't even live by his own words, right? That's crazy. So you guys hold on podcast. I'm going to go ahead and uh, stop this episode. I'm going to record another one. You guys bear with me and I will be right back. All right. What is up, you guys? We are back on the episode. I just shared some nuggets in between. If you guys were on Facebook, you just got them. Okay. So anyway, yeah, influencing. If you want God, and this is what I'm just saying, really quick podcast world. I'm just going to give it to you real fast. Um, If you want to be influenced by God, you have to let God influence your own thoughts, your perspective, even if you know it's contrary to what he says. Seriously. If you want to be a person of truth, you have to acknowledge truth. If you know that your life is not in line with the things that God says, you got to acknowledge that and you got to humble yourself. Proud people who acknowledge truth, oh Lord, they are the worst people to be around. But I digress. So if you want God to influence you, bring all your thoughts to God, especially the ones that you know are um, not in alignment with the plans that he has. And let God give you love and grace there and mercy and, and understanding. Let God show you how your own upbringing, perspective, experiences with people, life has influenced your way that you're thinking. Once you get that understanding and insight, because here's the thing, even if your life is not on the track you want it to be and you realize that, did you know that you didn't do that on purpose per se? You just did in ignorance. Ignorance is gonna be your only downfall. You have to let God give you insight as to why you think the way you do. You might think the way that you're thinking about stuff is great, but if you don't have the fruit of, of goodness in your life, there's some, there's a disconnect. Let God influence you by showing you, Hey, this is why you do what you do. So-and-so, you know, I know you just, I know you just told me that. And you know what, what you say is quite true, right? Guys, the Lord will do that for you. What you say is quite true. He's not going to condemn you and he'll give you some insight. Lord, if you ask for it, you guys, you better start asking for what you want. God, God, he definitely expects that. Look how Jesus conducted himself with people. He's like, what do you want? Do you want me to do this for you? What do you want? He wants us to communicate. Children are not ashamed to tell their parents what they want, what they need. So you just had the revelation. You understand that your life's not in alignment with God. You acknowledged it. Okay, Lord, how did this happen? Show me. He'll bring memories to your mind. Okay, Lord, how'd that memory impact my life? What meaning did I attach to that? It's a process. But if, and if you guys get my book, Nuggets of Truth, it's going to help you through that too. Anyway, let's continue. 
So, uh, where was I? Dun, dun, dun. God wants me to be so secure in him. God doesn't want me living in fear. Okay, I live in fear when it comes to money. Okay, I already, already shared this with you guys. Okay, perfect love casts out fear. Oh yeah, flattering God. Oh yeah, we know that uh, you know it'll be well with us if we obey his voice. But they already knew they weren't going to. Don't be that Christian. God, that's so annoying to be around people like that. They say all the right things, but they don't mean anything they say. Good grief. Better just keep your mouth shut. All right, don't, no one wants to hear about how obedient you are to God when, you know, in your own heart, you even know that you don't even care to be. You're just trying to fit in with Christians, right? You're trying to fit in with whoever. Just be honest. No, I don't want to do that. God honors honesty. You guys remember that parable of the two sons? Hey, son, you going to work in the field? Oh, yeah, I'll be there. Never did it. Hey, son, you going to work in the field? Heck, to the night, going out in the field today. Oh, okay. And then eventually he changed his own mind and he did it. Raw honesty will actually help you you know, figure out what you really want if you think about it. No, I don't want to do that. And then you might be like, wait a minute. I know I didn't want to do that, but maybe I do want to do that. Right? Pretending, saying all the right things and not acknowledging the truth of your heart is not going to move you forward. You guys know that that's called, uh, what is it, complacency or something like that? No, that's not complacency. Hold on. Hold on. What's the word? Um, What's the word? What's the word? Compliance. No. I think so. Dang it. Anyway, sorry, you guys. It's when you say one thing with your mouth, but you don't mean what you say. All right. You know, and uh, that's why Jesus said, let your yes be yes and no be no. If you're going to say yes to somebody, but you don't really want to do it, then just say no. Because you're going to be the most miserable person to be around anyway. Have you guys ever been around somebody who was like, oh, yeah, I'll do that for you. And then like the experience is miserable. They treat you bad. They make little snarky comments. They're disrespectful because they didn't want to do it. Right. But here's the, here's the other side of that coin. If you ask somebody and they say yes and they mean it, because you've had experience with people where they mean what they said, you might actually judge that person and think, oh, you really don't want to do it. No, you're just, you're just lying. You're full of it. How do you think that affects the person who really wants to do good for you? How do you think God feels every time he tells you he wants to prosper your life and do good and you're like, oh, no, I don't know about that, Lord. I don't deserve that. You're doing the same thing. That hurts. It's like, wow, you really don't think I want to do good for you? That sucks. You know? Wow. Talk about revealing. So, okay. Let's, let's move on. So, but God knows our hearts. He wants us to get to the motivations that don't serve us. Fear is not a good motivator, you guys. Always moving away from what you don't want instead of moving into what you desire. That's what fear does. Fear drives you away from what you don't want because it's fear. Fear is like, oh, I'm scared. I don't want that. So you move to, you think you want that, but you're constantly, that becomes your motivation. Fear is not a good motivation to always be in the state of, oh, I don't want that. I don't want that. I don't want that. I don't want that. What do you want? Be real about it. I want you to ask yourself in, in practical ways. What do you want? What do you want? What do you want with your life? Who do you want to be? Because that's, that's what you're going to take with you to the grave anyway. So, and you guys, I talk about that in the book, your character and values, get that established, figure out who you want to become. And then God will take you on the process for that. But then, you know, think about the seven areas of life. You got your finances, you got your career, you've got um, uh, your health, you've got your um, personal res routine responsibilities. I'll share that with you guys on another podcast, okay? The seven areas of life. And then you got to figure out, okay, what do you want in each one of those areas? What do you want in your relationships? What do you want? Where, where do you want to be in your finances? Where do you want to be in your mental health? Where do you want to be in your physical health? 
Where do you want, what, how do you want to contribute back to the world? Have you ever actually sat down and asked yourself those questions? Do you know how important that is? God already says people die for lack of vision. That's the reason you're dying is because you ain't got no vision for your life. Right? Okay. So God told them, I will show you mercy that he may have mercy on you and cause you to return to your own land. So God already wants to give them what they want. But, he, but God wants them to do it his way. Yeah, I want you to go back to your own land. Lord, we want to go back to our own land. Well, I want you to go to your own land too. Did you know the good that you want for yourself is a good God wants for you? Oh man, some people don't like to hear that. That's really weird. That's really weird that you would not want to hear that a good God wants to do good. Check this out. God uses all your human relationships all the time. I think I shared this with you guys, but I'll say it again because it's relevant. I was sitting on my back, I'm on back porch like a year ago. I was watching my kids play. And I was like, man, Lord, I love my kids so much. I want to do everything for them. I was like, Ashley, what makes you think I don't want to do that for you? And I was like, oh, dang. I was like, huh? Wow. The good that I want to do for others, God wants to do for me. The good you want to do for others, God wants to do for you. Are you accepting that? Oh, and that reminds me. There's something else I got to share with you guys. So hold on. So, okay. That is, okay, so that is ultimately what they wanted, but the fear was driving them away from that. So, we go over here to uh, 44, right? Did you guys know the reason the whole King Nebuchadnezzar had taken over and, and Babylon and all that kind of stuff happened to begin with, right? You know, their whole land just, they started off out of Egypt, God was giving them this land, and things happened over time. How is it that they ended up in this situation they didn't want to be in to the point now they're like, crap, we got to run to Egypt because we don't like it here anymore. The very place that God had given to them, that there's supposed to be a land of milk and honey. They weren't experiencing that. They're experiencing war, uh, death, tons of stuff that was not good. But you want to hear why? Check this out. Let's go to Jeremiah 44. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, you have seen all the calamity that I've brought on Jerusalem and all the cities of Judah. And behold, this day there are desolation and no one dwells in them because of their wickedness, which they have committed to provoke me to anger and that they went to burn incense and to serve other gods whom they did not know, nor uh, they nor you nor your fathers. However, I have sent to you all my servants, the prophets rising early and sending them saying, oh, do not do this abominable thing that I hate. But they did not listen or incline their ear to turn from their wickedness to burn no incense to other gods. So my fury and my anger was poured out and kindled in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem. And they were wasted and desolate in, into this day. Right? So what, what caused it? Their own wickedness. Now, therefore, says the Lord, the God of Israel, host, the God of Israel, why do you commit this great evil against yourselves? <laughs> He's like, wow, you're doing this to yourself. You're causing your own destruction. Isn't that interesting? To cut off from you man and woman, child and infant, out of Judah, leaving none to remain, and that you provide me, and that you provoke me to wrath with the works of your hands, burning incense to other gods in the land of Egypt, where you have gone to dwell, that you may cut yourselves off and be a curse and a reproach among all the nations of the earth. Have you forgotten the wickedness of your fathers, the wickedness of the kings of Judah, the wickedness of their wives, your own wickedness, and the wickedness of your wives? which they committed in the land of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem, they have not been humbled to this day. Oh Lord, right? Nor have they feared. They have not walked in my law and my statutes that I set before you and your fathers. So here's the thing. Their thinking is what caused all this destruction anyway. And now they're going to go to Egypt and they're going to experience the same thing because they never humbled themselves. 
They never, they never change their minds. And you guys check this out. I asked the Lord probably like four years ago, five years ago. I was reading for, for I was reading through Deuteronomy and it was talking about how they would serve other gods. And I was like, okay, Lord, how could you apply this to today? Like, seriously, when I think of people serving other gods in the context of the Lord's talking about, or even just my own understanding and, and seeing different books and, you know, history books, I literally thought of people like bowing down in front of a statue. Okay. And like, that's their God. But I was like, Lord, how could you think about this in such a way that we could like use it for today? Because I'm not bound down to no statue. And then this thought hit me, you guys. And it was this, Ashley, your God is the knowledge you live by. And I was like, whoa, I never thought about it like that before, Lord. Your God is the knowledge that you live by. They were living by a certain knowledge that was, that was not of God. Because God was like giving them downloads. Hey, live like this, do this. But they were getting influenced by their own environment, their own culture, their own whatever, right? And that was causing the destruction that they were experiencing in the land that they were supposed to be ruling and subduing. God put them in that land to have the territory, milk and honey, right? However, they were no longer being influenced by the knowledge and the thoughts of God. They were being influenced by all the other thoughts outside of there because when they were in the wilderness, there was no other people around except for the ones who were going with them. But once they got into the land, excuse me, you guys, once they got into the land, now there's other people there, okay? And so now it's just like a war of ideas. You guys, my hair's all tangled up. Sorry, I always mess with my hair. But they get there and now there's these other people's ideas and then what God has told them that they're supposed to bring with them into the promised land. Their own thinking was gonna cause the same destruction that they were running from when they were, when they, you know, they're going, they're gonna go to Egypt, but they don't realize that the whole reason that Judah was being destroyed anyway was because of the stuff they've been doing the whole time. So think about that. If you have not truly come to understand how your way of thinking and doing things has caused your own destruction, you're gonna repeat that no matter where you go. You can go to any state, you can go to any relationship, another job, right? If you're going from job to job to job to job, that, that could be an indicator, right? You know, I'm, I'm just trying to make the point that if you're trying to make progress in your life, it's really important that you check how you're seeing things because they forgot that the reason this whole thing burned down to begin with is because of what you were doing, right? Your own wickedness. You know, there's certain ways that God was trying to influence them and they were denying that. And they're like, nah, Lord, we're just gonna do what everybody else is doing. Destruction, their own destruction. They chose it themselves. So anyway, you guys, oh, one last thing. What's one way that you can, you know, start to move past this kind of stuff, right? I mean, there's certain things that we need in order for us to really uh, grasp what the Lord has. And so I wanna share something with you guys really quick. Remember I told you guys about that Eli Lasky guy? I'll try to post the YouTube video in the description of the podcast so you guys can watch it yourself. It was super insightful. But he was talking about servitude, right? The difference between being a servant of God and a son of God, a child of God. And this is what he's saying about servitude, basically. This is kind of like my own words. I was writing this stuff down this morning. Living by your own estimation, right? Basically, servitude says, oh, I'm wretched. I don't deserve, right? Being a servant is good enough. It's better. At least I'm a servant in the kingdom of God, right? 
But then he said, that doesn't take a lot of humility. Because now you're sitting here thinking, well, I don't deserve it anyway. It's just better to be a servant. Because, you know, I knew who I was before. Wretched. I don't deserve anything, right? So, um, let me see here. So then he was talking about a son. A son lives by God's perspective and what God wants to give to you. God wants to give you good. He wants to prosper you. Have your life. Have it abundantly. He wants to heal you. He wants to restore you. But if you think you don't deserve that, you're not going to receive it. And you're always going to be a slave and not a son. Right? So, I'm just going to read my notes to you guys really quick. So, a son lives by God's perspective, what God says. God's like, man, what you want, for, what the estimation you have for yourself is not enough. He wants to give you more. Right? When you're a servant, it's a fair exchange. You know? Uh, let me see here. You're, you're getting what you deserve. It's right and just. And so, you're like, okay, this is right and just for myself. Now you're making like your own conclusions. Again, you're living by your own estimation. So God's perspective is what he sent to represent his perspective in Jesus Christ, which you already know that. So servitude, your bondage, you know, lack of, if he says, if you're in servitude, it's a form of bondage, lack of clarity, living on your own perspective. He's like, there's nothing wrong with being a servant. However, you can talk yourself out of the good God wants to have because you're like, well, I, I don't deserve the good that God wants to give. So, and again, he was saying that it's more humble to actually receive what you don't think you deserve. So, um, if God deemed you worthy, okay, that is true humility. Receive what you don't deserve. That's true humility. If somebody wants to give you something good and you deny it, that's not humility. That's pride. Okay. But if God wants to give you something greater than you think you deserve and you receive it, that's true humility. Like, wow, Lord. Because the truth is, we know at times that we can't produce for ourselves the level that we want. And we need God to give us those things. But sometimes you are going to deny yourself the very thing that you want because of pride and injury and whatever it is. If you struggle to receive good from other people, I want you to ask God why. Lord, why do I, why do I struggle to receive good from other people? How did that come about in my life? And how is that belief... Inter how is that belief... Um, what's the word, you know, hindering my relationship with you and what you want to give me. Does that make sense? You guys. So if you're always getting what you don't want, right? How does that happen? You're thinking at the end of the day, your perspective about things, you know, thinking that you're not worthy, you know, your own environment, the stuff that shaped you, all this comes in consideration. And that's the stuff you got to challenge at the end of the day. Okay. So don't be, you know, pay attention to what's motivating you. You know, um, if you have fear in your heart, ask God to give you his perfect love. Tell God what you want. Show, tell him your outcomes you want to have in your life, whatever it may be. You know, like I said, for me in this context, Lord, I want to be financially free, but I have to do it in the way that God wants me to, right? And like I said, as you realize that you are not fully in line with what God expects, don't judge yourself. Learn to receive the grace that God gives to mold you and shape you into the person that you know you want to be. Don't condemn yourself. That's not the spirit of Christ, right? The spirit of Christ says, wow, what you said is quite true. That's so cool, you know? Thank you for telling me that. Even though he already knew it, but there's something that needs to happen in you where you have to acknowledge those things yourself. God isn't just going to come in there and like start doing surgery on you. You get what I mean? You got to acknowledge where the pain is so you can start being like, hey, right here, Lord, this area... Yeah, I, I need I need some help with that. All right, I'll help you. 
let's let's dig into it, right? So anyway, you guys, I hope this was a helpful podcast. It was super long, but you know, uh, it was really helpful for me to ask myself questions, you know, about my motivations. What's driving me? Is fear driving me? Yeah, fear is driving me, Lord. You know, and dealing with those things at the heart level. All right, so we can so I can get the freedom I want. I got to do it His way though. So anyway, you guys, I hope this was helpful. I hope you guys have an awesome rest of the day podcast wisdom. Thank you guys for listening. And uh, I will talk to you guys next week.